You're listening to NCG Top 100s, a National Club Golfer podcast. Hello, everyone. We are back. Yes. Welcome to the second series of the NCG Top 100s podcast, where we take you inside a virtual clubhouse to reveal the inside stories behind the courses that feature on our rankings lists at nationalclubgolfer.com. With me, as always, to tease those tales out from our guests is a man who's visited well over 500 courses, NCG Top 100s editor Dan Murphy. Welcome, Dan. Hello, Steve. Great to be back. Now, the reason Dan's course count is relevant here is despite having played all over the world, we are going a bit closer to home for our returning episode, his resident club of All Woodley. Now, this Heathland masterpiece deserves an episode of its own for its obvious reasons, namely it's great. Um, But this week, as all you listeners out there will surely know, the eyes of the golfing world are settling on the Cathedral of Courses, Augusta National That Church of Pine and Azaleas was, of course, designed by Dr. Alistair McKenzie, who, alongside crafting the likes of Cypress Point, Passatempo and Royal Melbourne, also designed All Woodley. I do love a circle. Um, But the Leeds course was his first, the original Lowless, and echoes of what was moulded there can be seen in all of the good doctor's great work, including at Augusta. So to get the lowdown on this finest of courses, a fixture of both our Top 100 England and GB and I lists, we've got not one, but two special guests. Yes, no one who's played all Woodley in the last couple of years could have failed to notice the exceptional conditioning produced by the greenkeeping team. And they are led by course manager Matt Brighton. Welcome, Matt. Morning, guys. How are you doing? And joining Matt is arguably the hottest name in course design at the moment. I'm surprised he's got half an hour to spare us. So red hot (laughs) must his phone have been since he last appeared on our podcast in season one. But we're delighted to have with us from New Zealand, where he's working on a new course for Tom Doak, the consulting architect at All Woodley, Clyde Johnson. Welcome back, Clyde. Morning. Thanks for having me. Now, before Dan gets into the nitty gritty of the links between Old Woodley and Augusta with the pair of you, uh, it's been a really busy few months at the course. So Matt and Clyde, just give us an idea of what's been going on in West Yorkshire over the winter months. Well, um, initially we uh, started out doing some work on holes 15 to 18 with Clyde. That's when we first got uh, involved, um, really, which was just to do with uh, the playability to the finishing stretch of holes at All Woodley and uh, making it so that it was a tough challenge for the uh, elite golfer, but uh, very fair and playable for your uh, your day-to-day golfer and for the members. Uh, and since since we've done that, we've uh, led on to a few further projects and a new five-year plan with Clyde, uh, which has just seen us uh, over the course of this winter just gone put in uh, two green extensions on the second on the left-hand side. And we've also put a green extension in back right of the fifth. Just to keep a bit of interest, really, create some more pinnable positions um, and just to work towards what is the greater picture of finer conditioning, uh, nice shortly cut runoffs and keeping the uh, the way in which Heathland golf is uh, is to be played and firm and fast and running um we've uh, 
worked on the right hand side of the ninth green this winter. There was uh, quite an artificial uh, hollow to the right hand side of the green that never quite tied in with the landform around it. Um, so we've made, made some tweaks into there into making a quite a big runoff uh, bowl really that just ties in really nicely with the mounding on the right hand side as well as uh, creating a, a wider array of possible shots if you are in that area whether it be to uh, to chip it to put it or which whichever your uh, your preferred shot may be sometimes uh, to actually give people more options of shots can actually uh, prove to be more difficult rather than easier um, and then we've also reinstated a historic bunker at the back of the 17th green which was something that we only really stumbled across uh, 12 18 months ago using the uh, historic photos and whatnot that were in the uh, club's 2007 centenary book um, it's i'm sure it's going to end up with some uh, some some great final round nightmares, um, as well as the uh, the aesthetics that it uh, it it provides as you uh, as you step onto the first tee and uh, even when you're enjoying a drink on the veranda outside the uh, clubhouse, looking back down 18 to the back of the 17th. So all settled in really well, well on with the uh, dressing and uh, just uh, perfecting these playing surfaces now. Clyde, I just wonder um, if you could just uh, just just come in there and just explain um, the, the the nature of the work at Al Woodley. I, I think it is quite unusual. So it's it's not like you're um, uh, building you know new holes or completely changing the character of existing ones. It, I guess it's quite subtle stuff, isn't it? Can you can you just explain you know what what your brief is and what it's been like to to work on this project? Yeah, uh, Al Woodley's got a, a really strong. Uh, History uh, in relation to Alistair McKenzie, uh, you know, the golf course has been mostly, mostly preserved. You know, nothing's really changed since McKenzie first laid out the golf course in the in the 1920s. Uh, and the club, uh, the custodian of the club, especially in recent times, have really embraced his history. Uh, and a big part, you know, any work that we we do out there really has to. Uh, have uh, historical precedents, uh, you know, before we before we introduce any changes, uh, you know. So restore, you know, restoring restoring the bunkers. Generally speaking, you know, we find on historical areas, historical aerials or historical photographs are, are no brainers. But you know, Mackenzie was knew what he was doing. You know, they, they're in strategically interesting places, and you know, they add add to the aspects of the golf course. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of tweak, you know, you know, I'd kind of describe Alderley as a course that's kind of at like 97, 98, 98% of its potential. And, you know, we're really making really quite minimal changes, but they're the ones that, you know, I kind of really enjoy, enjoy doing, you know, the green, the green expansion work this winter, uh, the second hole, it's kind of like a wing that sits a little bit high behind the bunker. Uh, and, you know, before that was just maintained as surround, uh, surround fairway cut, you know, but it's actually really, you know, if you can get, if we could get a hole location on there, you know, make for a really challenging hole location, you know, for when you're looking to host uh, more important tournaments, you know, without making the golf course any more difficult uh, for the regular players. So, you know, kind of exp expanded that green by uh, six, six foot or so, and, you know, just created an interesting pin position there. The same applies for the fifth green, the fifth green as well, where on the back right, uh, 
you know, that you can really now tuck a pin in behind the bunkers that kind of hold up the right-hand side of that green. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the changes that we've been looking to make throughout the golf course are, are small little tweaks like that. We've got a handful, maybe half a dozen more greens uh, that we'd like to expand and create some more interesting pin positions. And, you know, Matt's created a turf nursery, so the, this this kind of work becomes relatively simple. Core out, core out the green, replace it with some, replace it with root zone, uh, and then we do hand grading to finish and, and turf, you know, so... You know, Matt's been Matt and his team have been doing a great job of restoring the Heathland over the last few years. So uh, some some of our our work's been looking at uh, opening up through views, through holes. So if you now go down the eighth, you kind of you can look through to the ninth hole and see the ninth green there, and pick up through views to the tenth. And you know, just thinking about you know th- thinking about the landscape uh, of the golf course as a whole, and just really trying to highlight that and. You know, some some cooler mowing line stuff where we've been connecting some greens into walk-offs into the next tees, just to really simplify the presentation of the golf course. So, you know, it's you know, it's the golf, you know, the architecture shines rather than anything that Matt or I uh, do, you know, gets in the way or clutters clutters what was left by Mackenzie. Just while we have this uh, rare um, opportunity to speak to both uh, architects and course manager, I'm, I'm going to ask uh, Matty if you can can go first. I wondered if you could just both explain um, how that relationship works because you, you you're kind of reliant on each other. I mean, you know, the, the architect that has the ideas, and then lots of the implementation, especially in the longer term, is is going to be done by the course manager. So, Matty, what, what's it what's it like to work work with Clyde, um, and you know, how have you managed to establish a working relationship? Um, it, it's brilliant working with Clyde. I mean, I think we—it's one of those we both share very much the same views that you know the the bottom line of anything is not doing something just for the sake of doing it. It's everything that is done is to further enhance what what a beautiful piece of land that we actually have. Um, and a lot of it, to be fair, there's a lot of a lot of work that goes on in planning it than there is actually the time and work that's taken up carrying out a lot of these uh, a lot of these jobs because like Clyde's touched on it's everything has to have a historical uh, being of been there before but the actual work carrying it out is fairly straightforward um, the we work very well uh, or at least I feel we work very well together in you know we'll try to get as much uh, as much preparation done as we can prior to uh, to Clyde joining us um, and at times we can we can get a lot of things done with Clyde maybe being with us for, for just a three or four day period um, and as well Clyde's touched on with the Greens Turf Nursery a lot you know a lot of the stuff that we're trying to do is keep things as native to this specific site as possible so you know managing our resources um, managing to use as much of the heath that we've got in terms of any uh, aesthetics of the uh, heathland plant uh, heathland planting uh, same with the uh, turf uh, the for the greens uh, it's all basically grown in on site from uh, from taking from and around so it's it's things that really the background works going on for 12 and 18 months prior to the work that we're actually carrying out um, and with a lot of the stuff that we have uh, available uh through the historical evidence it's uh it's one of those that does does make mine and uh, mine and clyde's job a, an awful lot easier to justify 
any of these changes that we are we are making. And the same question to you, Clyde. And well, uh, just to, just to, just to follow on what Matt was saying uh, first, you know, using nat uh, using native textures, uh, you know, taking turf off the start of a fairway or a semi rough area to cover up work we've done, transplanting heather. Uh, is really beneficial to making the work feel old and feel like it belongs there, which uh, I think has been, a, you know, one of the reasons uh, why the work has been received uh, uh, so well. Uh, you know, because it uh, it just blends in really nicely. That's really important. It's not always possible uh, on new when you know when you're working at golf courses. Uh, you know, because the scope of work areas can be a, a little bit too big sometimes, or it doesn't become particularly effective uh, or efficient. Uh, to work that way, but Matt and his team uh, going to extra effort. Uh, you know, we're using turf from the existing golf course makes a difference. But uh, no, it's been great working with Matt. Uh, you know, we've got we've got a set of drawings now for all eighteen holes. We've got some we've got some work areas. Uh, so Matt's proactive ahead of any of my visits in you know the budgeting and planning uh, that all materials are on site. And you know, uh, Matt's got a great eye for it. So a lot of the a lot I'm comfortable leaving a lot of the preparation work. Uh, to Matt and then uh, and his and his boys, and then uh, I'll show up and we'll maybe spend a week doing or a few days at a, a time each winter. Uh, I'll jump on and do the shaping. Uh, Matt will do a little bit of that too in preparation sometimes. Uh, and then you know those guys are those guys are really good at putting things back together. Matt's got a good eye for it, uh, and his team uh, care about what they're doing out there. So that shows in the work. And you know those guys once I've once I've spent my my time on site, those guys are able to put put things back together and give it that aged look and let's just move on to the um mckenzie um element uh, again i'm going to put the same question to you both um and uh, Matt, matty if you could go first that that would be great um I, ju I just wondered what what you see um i mean i, mean, I appreciate you're obviously our woodley every day so is a little bit different but what do you think the most obvious uh, mckenzie calling cards are at all woodley just in terms of the uh the, the the design. What what are the total giveaways uh, that Old Woodley is is a Mackenzie course from from your perspective? Um, I think one of one of the big things has always been that what what you see is what you're playing. Um, everything's laid out in front of you. Uh, I think one one of one of my one of my favourite traits, to be fair, tends to be the looking backwards down a hole. You can't quite then work out where 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 are the bunkers looking at it looking at the other way. They just they all just seem to fall into the uh, into the natural natural landform. Um, I mean, there's it's one of those Clyde and I have discussions about certain aspects. I mean, one of them as a prime example is the uh, is the big cross bunker across the eighth hole. You can mm. guarantee that you know over a hundred years ago the pine trees won't have been there. There's photographic evidence that that bunker was nearly two and a half times its size um, and as much as it's all about a matter of wanting to restore all Woodley to its original uh, you know and everything that we gather is to do that sometimes you do have to look at things in today's world and the maintenance and upkeep and management of it um, as well that basically is you're almost saying you know that was probably filled in for a reason and what what was that reason for, um, you know, and picking those type of things out. But I mean, my my my, my favorite just has has to be the way that you know everything that you see is out in front of you. 
um, and the bit where you look backwards down a hole and you're almost trying to pick out just actually where was that bunker, where's it gone? It's disappeared into the natural landform. And the same question to you, Clyde. Uh, well, normally the first the first thing that comes to mind with Mackenzie is often uh, relatively extravagant uh, green complexes, uh, just in terms of uh, the contouring, contouring in uh, the bold contours uh, that they often possess, and how they deal with uh, quite often severe green sites. Uh, you know, the eleventh is a, a pretty good example of a green full of contour that that's benched, that's kind of benched really artfully into the hillside. Uh, Bunkers, be bunkers behind greens are another classic Mackenzie trait that perhaps Alderley doesn't feature as many of those as you would expect. Uh, Alderley sits really, really comfortable uh, with the terrain. Everything kind of sits on the ground, which leads to you know a really interesting green complexes like the, the the third with the with the lower bowl that just kind of falls off into into a hollow there that's out of sight. Uh, and even 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 like a green like the seven even like a green like the seventeenth that's kind of held up against uh, you know the down slopes kind of got its own artistry and and, and quirk to it uh, and you know I can with Mackenzie's routings routings I tend to I tend to think of them as you know they often share spaces uh, you know share features make really efficient use of those, but all of these actually a little bit different, you know, it's out and it's kind of like got an out and back style layout, uh, which, you know, probably sets it apart from Mackenzie's his other work in some regards uh, and, you know, really gives it, a, you know, a distinct uh, sense of adventure and journey. You kind of disappear further and further away from the clubhouse and out onto the moor and then, and then come back. It's a, it's a really enjoyable uh Layout and experience for that, and uh, just just staying with you, Clyde, and then we'll we'll come come back to you, Matty. I'm guessing that when you two are watching uh, the Masters, that while um, most of us are obsessing about the players um, and the, the the drama of the tournament, I'm guessing that you two are watching very carefully to see um, what's happening on on the actual golf course. Uh, I just wondered if you could point out a couple of things that strike you um, about Augusta. Um, that make you sort of quietly nod um, and, and and appreciate that uh, Mackenzie's work in originally laying out the course. I obviously I appreciate much has changed, including the you know the, the, the nine's been reversed and what have you. But well, what do you see about Augusta that that to you are, um, are, are Mackenzie calling cards, Clyde? Uh, I've been I've only been to Augusta once. I spent a little bit of time on site, but you know hardly 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 any to be uh, too familiar with what I've seen on the television. Uh, but, you know, uh, I think the strong cant and tilt of fairways, big, you know, big, bold uh, movements in the ground and just how they're used strategically. You know, he's he's, ask, he's asking you to shape a shot to hold into a fairway. And then with the, you know, the balls, the ball might be below your, your feet and you're kind of trying to fight the position that the ball's in to shape a, green, shape a shot in reverse direction to hold the green so just really really clever use of the the grab of some big bold uh ground contours and then you know green green contours that that complement those and ask you to hit some really creative uh really creative shots to to hold and get close close to uh the whole locations and i think that's why the best players in the world have tended to like 
playing at Augusta and doing well because it, you know, it really does test test the mental fortitude and you know ability to think their way around the golf course as well as the ability to then execute execute their shots and you know the, the bold contours in the green. You know, again, a classic classic McKenzie trait, but. You know that's that's a, that's mostly that's partly a product of you know dealing with some pretty severe topography out there. You know, making the greens actually work, uh, even if when he, even if when he built those greens, they were maintained at a slightly slower speed than they would be today. And uh, Matty, what what do you see in Mackenzie terms when you're when you're watching the Masters? One of one of my favourite things than any other with Augusta is all the fact that you can. I mean, I've, I've Clyde's got one up on me. I've I've never been, um, but you can just you can tell that it's one of those golf courses that every single club in your bag will be used. And if you do take the same club out again, the chances are you'll be moving it the opposite way to you were the last time. Um, nothing nothing is exactly the same. Um, if you're hitting a if you know if you you take eighteen eighteen and for example. Um, that you know the tee shot that you're trying to hit up there, it, everything's so demanding as much as uh, parts of that are through the the lengthening of the course. I mean, I'm I'm it can almost cut me in half, and I'll be all Woodley. I've been here 16, 17 years. Um, you know, I still I still love to kind of sit there and watch them play in 13 and try to work out how and where you know the connections lie with uh, with 13 and 10 at at all Woodley. Um, you know, it's, you could you can you can really imagine it with the being in a slightly different look than just how you have got the exact spitting spitting image, really. You've you've, you've stolen my, my last question there, which was I was going to ask you two that this urban myth uh, about thirteen at um, Augusta and ten at Old Woodley. I just wondered how much how much truth there was in it, and whether you could shed any light on on, on any connection. Well, I think I think the. the I think one of the big things that's easily to be forgotten is that the 10th green at Old Woodley wasn't always where it currently is today. That was moved mm. in the, uh, in the early 1930s. Um, you know, the green used to be right down at the very bottom. There did used to be a stream, but it used to be behind the green, not in front of the green. Uh, mm. There are similarities with the way the fairway shapes, the you know the sharp turning from right to left, the demand on the tee shot. Um, it you you can see it um, exactly. You know how much there is the truth in it. You know, I mean, it's it was it was it was in his book that there was the the, the similar part of the the land the landform, uh, which you can you can fully appreciate that. And there's it'd be a difficult one to argue against. Um, I think it's we've 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 held conversations before about the potential of actually, you know, opening the stream back up on ten. It's a very drastic change, and it's one that's uh, more just been discussed as opposed to re any real push and fight for uh, for doing it. Um, you know, you you'd probably be sat on the fence uh, to make that decision. But Clyde, uh, uh, any views on the uh, on the tenth and the or on the thirteenth at Augusta, and then the whole in general? Yeah, I think I think the t I, I guess I guess where the, I guess where the lazy comparison or the, the comparison comes from is the kind of shots it demands. You know, you're asking to hit a pretty hard draw off the off the tee to get round the corner of the out of bounds uh, at Allwoodley, and you know you kind of 
especially these days for the modern player, they're trying to hit a big hard hook around the around the corner. Uh, August had opened up the green, and then you know the the cant. If you hit that shot, the cant of the the cant of the fairway means that the ball is above your feet, and you're probably trying to hit. It's not quite the same at Allwood. I don't think it's as as important to hit that cut. But Augusta Nash, like you're going for the green in two, uh, it certainly is. Uh, you know, to try and get back into you know, try and shape it back into the angle of the green with with how the stream lies low. It is receptive to a high soft draw. Uh, so yeah, I think that's where those comparisons come. You know, Mackenzie wasn't too adverse to borrowing ideas or sharing ideas between between holes. I think you know. One of the, it's not really a template, but the the Eden hole, the length hole at the old course at St Andrews is one that Mackenzie used in a in a few locations. So you know, yeah, uh, he's he's definitely shared some of his ideas between some of his golf courses across the across the world, which is you know fairly understandable. As he was he was pretty prolific for a short period of time towards the end of his career there. Some very interesting uh, responses there and some really good insight about Old Woodley and Augusta. Now, uh, regular listeners to our podcast will know that we never let our guests get away scot-free uh, without having to answer at least one testing question. Um, so this time we're going to go a bit broad. I'm going to ask the pair of you for your favourite Mackenzie designed hole. It can be at all Woodley, Matty, if you want, but we've we've got we've got lots of um, we've got lots of good Mackenzie holes, haven't we, in Yorkshire? Um, but your favourite Mackenzie hole. Let's start with you, Clyde. Uh, we're going top three or just one? Well, you can go top three if you've prepared. I'm, I'm more than happy. I was, prepared, I, was prepared, I was prepared for a top three since I thought that's what we're doing. So uh, I'll go with the ninth hole at Cypress Point uh, in California, which is kind of like a short par four. That, that kind of plays dramatically between big expanses of sand and the greens tilted hard behind a big, big blowout and sat at the base of a dune. Uh, I picked the third hole at Royal Melbourne West uh, course, which is a medium length par four with the with the green that tilts really hard away over a swale and a little bump that holds the front left of the green up. And you know, it's just a really, really tricky shot. You'd never get bored of. Of hitting into that from 100 yards if you had 100 balls, uh, and then the 14th at Pasatiempo uh, in Cal- California, which uh, features a really deep hollow or swale through the middle of the fairway that kind of defines the strategy. It's kind of like a center line hazard. If you if you go into if you go into the hollow, it's kind of so deep you can't really see what you're doing, and it kind of makes the shot into the green pretty awkward. That's a pretty global journey that you've just taken mm. on there Clyde we appreciate I that I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want to offend anyone in in the UK so kept it, kept it Matt do you want to go a bit closer to home I, I think I'll have to go a bit closer to home my uh, my preparation for this uh, wasn't wasn't quite as in-depth as uh, as Clyde's I'm I'm currently sat in sat in a digger on the uh, at the side of the top fairway at all Woodley so <laughs> um <laughs> I'm definitely going to stick with Old Woodley. Um, I'm going to go with the eighth off the championship tee. Uh, I just think the the fact that you look at it as a par five on the scorecard, you're almost seeing it as downwind, easy four, but off the back tee, the tee shot is the crucial part as to whether or not uh, whether or not you get get the birdie. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick close to home and go the eighth at Oldley. 
Yeah, really difficult green there as well, isn't there? Which um, which people don't often think about with that hole. Just fantastic. I don't think I've ever parred it in all of the times I've played it, which tells you something about um, how ingenious that hole is. Uh, if you haven't played all Woodley listeners, please do so. It's an absolutely fantastic golf course. I've been lucky enough myself to go around there a few times, and it's one of the great experiences of English and really GB and I golf. So um, there's plenty of opportunities to go and play at some great tournaments there this year, including open qualifying. So if you if you have the opportunity to play all Woodley, you must take it. Clyde, Matt, thank you for joining us on the NCG Top 100s podcast. And the same with you, Dan. Great to have you with us as always. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Don't forget you can see all our lists, including our most recent, which was England's Top 100, on our website at nationalclubgolfer.com. Just go to the homepage, click on the Courses tab, and then NCG Top 100s to open up some of the best reviews and analysis in the game. We'll be focusing this year on Scotland, and we'll see you soon with another episode of NCG's Top 100s podcast. (laughs) 